Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 74 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. It is just me here at the moment. Wanted to give you a heads up as to what you're about to listen to. Pastor Mike, my buddy, he has gone on vacation, so actually... When we recorded episode 73, we paused for a moment and continued the session. So episode 74 actually is a continuation of the last episode you just listened to, which I I know it it makes sense because we're in a series anyway. So thank you for listening. And uh, there's no small talk today. We're just going to jump right into the content. All right, Mike. So in our last session, we started to go down, um, I guess, the theology of how God has revealed himself or what is God like? You know, we, we were following up um, how God has revealed himself specially or specifically through the Bible. And then we actually started looking at what the Bible has recorded. It, and it shows that God has specifically revealed himself and he has revealed himself through names, what he has called himself as an these names that he has given us to use to to connect with him, he's revealing attributes of himself to humanity. And the last time we met, we talked about the name Yahweh, which it was given to us in Exodus chapter three. Now, if I remember correctly, that is the I am who I am, or the great I am, mm-hmm. or I am that I am. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I looking at the notes you sent us, I see here that. That the I am part is something that God reveals, but he also seems to have um, a list of qualifiers or other attributes that he has attributed to the great I am. I guess I, I know we're about to discuss these these different attributes or these different qualifiers. I guess like, as a young Christian who is probably listening to this, I guess how should they wrap their mind around what they're about to hear? I guess like when it comes to the idea of God revealing himself as the great constant, what is he saying with these other qualifiers that we're about to see. Yeah. So it's, I guess you could put it this way. So if we remember God, God initially reveals himself by saying, I am Yahweh. I, I am, I, I am that I am. I am the ever present one. I'm the always, the one who always has been the one who always will be right. And oftentimes that, that phrase Yahweh, it's even translated as the Lord, right? And so he's the, the ultimate of all the spiritual powers, he, he is he is the one true God. Yeah. Actually, Stephen, you, you had something to say about that, about how like the different Egyptian gods had a name that kind of has like what they're a god of, but yet God in a power move reveals himself in a different way. Right. I was talking to you a little bit more about the you know names of characters and whatnot. Like we as people, like I'm a Stephen, there are other Stevens, right? You're an Andrew, there are other Andrews. In the Egyptian gods, they each gave each god a name to identify this is this god who governs that. But then when Yahweh reveals, you know, Moses says, well, what's your name? He plays the ultimate alpha move and just simply says, I'm the God. I'm, I'm the one, the one that exists, right? It's, it's the ultimate power move because no other being can claim that nature, can claim existence itself. Yeah, because last week we, we, we said that he was the great I am. That's what that means. But then thinking about it now, also just saying I am the Lord that is also a statement of not just constant, but like authority. Like this is the alpha, the alpha and the omega. Yeah. Right. Hey. I was thinking alpha from our term of culture, but really God himself says he is the alpha and the omega. And I think it yeah. is important to note that he's not just like the foremost, mm-hmm. right? Because if we get this idea of hierarchy in our head that God might just be the best, mm-hmm. but no, he stands alone. He yeah. stands separate. Yeah. And so... 
circling back to your question, then I think one of the ways you can understand this is you know, I am I'm Mike mm-hmm. and I have different roles or there are different places where part of who I am shines a little bit differently. And so when I am, you know, when I'm preaching, well, in that moment, I'm, I'm Mike who is preaching and that's different than when I'm on the baseball field and I'm Mike that is coaching. And that's different than when I'm, you know, with my kids and playing a game. And that's different than when I'm joking around with you guys. Uh, there's different characteristics that are demonstrated at different times. Now, I'm a limited being. God is unlimited. He's infinite. But I'm a limited being, much to Stephen's surprise. I see you look just shocked no, I, there. It but. just clicked in my head exactly what you were saying, because you were saying Mike who preaches and Mike who coaches. And I was saying, ah, oh, Pastor Mike, Coach Mike. People know you by different identifiers, but it's still Mike. It just clicked in my head, so I was just stoked for a second. Okay. There you go. One of the best things, actually, is some of the kids that come here that know me from the ball field and they're around church. They call me Coach Mike, and I love it, actually. That's but, awesome. Uh, but how how do we get to know those characteristics? Okay. How, how do we understand them? Well, God begins to show his characteristics, and as he shows his characteristics, he he titles them. He says, this is part of who I am. Let me show you who I am and let me identify myself with that, that, that characteristic. And so that's what we see as we continue to understand who God is and the names of God. We see him qualifying himself as the Lord. And so oftentimes these, in our English Bibles, these terms are translated the Lord of something because it's the Yahweh of and it's Yahweh, the one who is ever present. And this is, this is his characteristic in this moment that we can see most yeah. clearly. And so, and I guess just to help people, because you 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 should have an access to the document that we're looking over. God has a lot of different names that he's given himself that we haven't touched on. Like we, we wanted to possibly talk about like Elohim and Adonai, but this week we're, we're just diving deeper into Yahweh. But even specifically, we are looking at more qualifiers of the name Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And these are, as, as I'm looking at this, God has identified as the great I am. He has he is the Lord. And now we're going to see like, he is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of peace. He is the Lord. So, okay. I, I see what we're saying now. This is how God has revealed like as an, he is the authoritative. He is the, not just the foremost, but the one of whatever this is mm-hmm. whatever attribute he's about to give himself. Okay. I, I get that. So yeah. let's, let's jump into this. Yeah. So the first one we would call it the Lord of hosts, right? Or, or the Lord of armies. And this comes out of, uh, one of the places you see it is Psalm 24, verse 10. Stephen, you want to Stephen's re- re- got these. I've got the scripture, everybody. Psalm 24, verse 10 in the ESV says, Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Yeah, and so host here has to do with the, like the, the armies of heaven, right? He, he is the Lord of the hosts all of the the armies of heaven and so oh so he's not like a good dinner host he's like a captain of there you a go okay. there you go <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't even know how to react to that one I just, well okay listen people are going to see the word host and when you're a kid you're thinking like host hostess what do you think okay, this okay is i like got you the lord uh, of uh, sweet pastries that uh, uh and, he, and he could be but specifically he's he is the lord of hosts as in the heavenly armies that's right yeah yeah. That's right. And so this is a distinguisher, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost, this is, it's a title in a sense. I mean, the King of glory is the Lord of hosts. Well, he's the King of glory. He gets all the glory. Mm-hmm. And in part of that, it's because he's the, the one that leads the, 
the army that is undefeatable, right? Like, of course he gets all the glory. He's the the general in front of the conquering army. All of the angels of heaven follow him. He, he is the Lord of hosts. Um, it's almost like, you know, I, I go and I meet someone like we were at convention a few weeks ago and, you know, we meet another pastor. Oh, where are you the pastor? Well, I'm, I'm the pastor at Valley in Longview. Okay. That's, that identifies the, the people that I get to be around and get mm-hmm. to lead. Well, here God's saying, I am the Lord of all of heaven's armies. And this is a, this is a title of might. This is a title of victory. This is a title of power. And this is how God wants us to know him. He wants us to know that he's not a weak God, that he's not a, a God without resource. He, he is, he's ultimately the Lord who reigns over the heavenly armies. You know, if, if God is revealing himself to be the Lord of the heavenly armies, that can bring, depending on how you align with this, that can bring great comfort or that could bring great terror to, to one's psyche, right? And I think that's important to know because as God is revealing himself as these things, we should be knowing him as these things. So if when, when you are in trouble, when you know that there are enemies are coming around you, when King David had enemies coming after his head, he would rest in the Lord of hosts. That no, He knew that no matter what, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the heavenly beings was with him, was walking with it, that he is mighty. And that is something that we should hold on to because we face trials like that all the time. But on the other end of that, <laughs> when we're being rebellious, right, when we're being sinful, when we are openly just mocking God, uh, that kind of keeps us in check too. Remember, like this, this isn't just, you know, God wants, we talk about God as, a, as our, there's a personal relationship here and we want to connect with him and we're palling around, but there's, there's a reverence here that we need to understand that like we are, we are loved by a mighty lion who is dangerous and loving. So I, I, I don't know. I, it just yeah. reminds me of that line in the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Um, what is it? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Lucy is talking to the beavers and uh, they're talking about Aslan. And she says, is he safe? Safe? Well, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Yeah. You know, I was kind of my mind was wandering as we were talking about this because I was thinking the the heavenly hosts, the hosts of heaven, the the angelic army, right? And you know, in probably a few months, we'll end up talking about spiritual beings and angels and and whatnot. But mm-hmm. you know, one of the chief responsibilities of angels is not just to be messengers, but also to serve um, God's people. And there's a case to be made in terms of things like even um, guardian angels or angels that watch over and protect. And I, I don't know what I, I, interesting thought, I guess, for me, as you were talking about if this brings you encouragement or terror, I almost view it more like these guardian angels that watch over us, they're protecting us mm-hmm. in, spiritual, in the spiritual realm yeah. um, from temptation, from giving into sin. And there's a sense of, you know, almost like taking ourselves away from their covering or trying to take ourselves away from those covering when we're walking in sin versus recognizing that we have the, this help in yeah. our temptation, mm-hmm. in our sin, in our, in our moments where we're potentially being deceived mm-hmm. by the, the enemy who's whispering lies. But to remember that there, there is the Lord of hosts who dispatches his heavenly, his heavenly warriors for our good, mm-hmm. for our protection, even in those moments of maybe stumbling or spiritual weakness. Yeah. And there's, again, I think that, that tension of, I shouldn't be doing this, but, but I, I can turn mm-hmm. and I can know that God's caring for me. And he, he sent his 
his angels to minister to me. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of looking at that. Cause I, I think about, uh, Hebrews and the author of Hebrews writes how like, you know, angels are cool and they're out there doing the, but what's better than an angel is Jesus himself. And so in many ways, when we talk about like the Lord of hosts, kind of like what you're saying, like we, those, that angelic help that we do have the credit goes to the Lord who sent them to us for his being. And we should take, we should take comfort in knowing that we are in that protection because Christ has sent that for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this is one more side note. The spiritual realm is fascinating Mm -hmm. and it is, I think it is way more important and way more, um, I guess, urgent of of a reality than we, we realize. I, I think that the amount of spiritual warfare, the amount of angelic and demonic forces that surround us that we are blind to because they're spirit and not flesh. I think it's constant. And I think we live in our, you know, our nose to the ground, just, you know, everything we, you know, what we see is what's real, not realizing that there is a greater reality beyond us that, that should be captivating our attention Mm -hmm. in a healthy way and calling us to spiritual life. So, yeah, I think when we do get around to talking about the spiritual realm of things like that later on about spiritual beings like that's gonna be a fascinating conversation when we when we get there be fun. in about a year or so from now <laughs> with the way we're going right? through this. <laughs> so all right so we hit uh what was it yahweh to did i say that right Saboeth. yeah both ah yeah. look at yeah. that yeah. Yep. all right this so, actually plays very well into the next one okay yep which is uh what, what is that mike well typically we pronounce it jehovah jireh or Yehovah Yira. Okay. And so this is the, the idea that the Lord is the one who will provide. Mm-hmm. And this comes out of a, another, I mean, story time. If we go back to story time, the, one of the great stories in the book of Genesis, Genesis 22, Abraham has been given a promise. He's been given a promise that he would be the father of many nations. That's part of the promise he receives. And he's like, but I'm an old man and I don't have any kids. And, uh, and, and Sarah even laughs at this, right? But God fulfills his promise. They conceive. They have a son. Isaac is born, right? And, and then God tells Abraham, I want you to go take your son, your only son. And, and God says, I want you to go and sacrifice him to me. Yeah. Right? And this is like, you're like, what? Because this doesn't match God's character, right? Mm-hmm. But God, he knows what's really going on. And so Abraham he goes and he hikes up the mountain. He takes his servant so far. And then after that, he straps the wood to his son's back and they climb to the rest of the, the mountain. And Isaac, one of his lines is, you know, is like, father, we, we've got the knife. We've, we've got the fire. We've got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And he says, the Lord will provide, right? Mm-hmm. And so they get up there and Abraham ties his son down on the altar, lifts up the knife. And then God, uh, calls out to him, Abraham, stop in the last moment. And says, you know, now I know that, that I'm your God. And uh, they look over in the thicket and what do they find? The ram. They find ram. the sacrifice. Yeah. And so this is the idea that, that God will provide. And the, the context of this is really fascinating though, because it's God will provide, but he's asking us to walk in faith and even do the, the most difficult things we can imagine, mm-hmm. right? Now, child sacrifice, that's not something God ever actually calls for. Right. This was a test of Abraham in his faith, and Abraham proved that he had faith because he, he trusted, Hebrews tells us, that God will raise him from the dead, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's the faith that he had. Yeah. Um, but what this tells us, God will provide. Yep. 
this is an important point of application mm-hmm. because we, we tend to think I've got to take care of everything on my own and I've got to look out for myself. And so we end up being um, risk averse when it comes to our life. Like, oh, there's no way I should go into ministry. You know, that doesn't pay much. And, and what about this and this and this? And what about my dreams and my vacations and my plans? Or, mm-hmm. you know, we think, oh, I, I probably shouldn't be generous. I shouldn't give to missions the way I, maybe I, I could or, or to the church the way I could. These, these things where we tend to hold on to our resources or we even do it where we say, you know what? Uh, I, I'm not going to share my faith with that person because I like them and I, I like hanging out with them. And if I share my faith with them and they, they think I'm weird after that, that's going to ruin our relationship. And so we're, we end up not risking without realizing all these moments where God calls us to walk in faith with our profession, mm-hmm. with our sharing the gospel, with our, with our finances. In every one of those moments, God will provide. Yeah, he, This is who he is. This is his part of his name. He is the great provider. Um, think about it like this. Everything that we have, he has already provided. Yeah. God has provided generation to generation. Every need that we have might not be every want we have, but there's never been a moment when God has been unfaithful to provide what, what according to his good sovereign will that we need. Yeah. That he will provide. That. That is such a powerful thing to think about too, because that's you you link that that God the the qualifier that God is going to provide with the story of Abraham and how he had to walk out on faith. And oftentimes as believers, we think we want the assurance first before we step out to know something. But yet we see time and time God that when we step out in faith, that's usually when God shows up and he he provides. Which also says, though, that we have to be in relationship with God to see that that leading. Because you can't you can't go spend a bunch of money and not pay your bills, and then just expect God's going to provide to pay for your bills, right? Because God's also a God of like wisdom and stewardship and a lot of other things as well, too. So He's not going to reinforce our our foolishness. But I, man, that's just I was thinking about what you were saying, Mike, about how um, in this in the, in that instance. Abraham got to know God as the provider. And I link that back to something you said earlier about being like a pastor and being a coach. Something that you said, Stephen, is that it's all the same person, but you get to know that aspect of, of that person. And I think what's important is as we go through these, these attributes of God, I think in many ways, God calls us to know him as these individual things. So I know for me, um, we're about to go into God, your healer. I've seen that. I have experienced that. I've witnessed, I've known God to be a healer, but then there have been other seasons of my life where then God has challenged me to know him as my provider. And then there are other seasons when God has challenged me to, to, to know that God is my peace. And I think like the wonderful thing about all these qualifiers is that I think there's this, this constant invitation to know God as this thing, whatever it is that he's revealing himself to be. So uh, just a thought I had, well, we're doing this. It's important to remember, yeah. right? This is who he is. Yeah. Um, you, you started introducing the next one. Why don't you uh, read the scripture and, and walk us through that? You want me to read the scripture or read the name? Go for both of them. Okay. So it, that's Yahweh Rofi, Rofe, which is God is, uh, he's the, the Lord, your healer, which is Exodus. Give me a second here. I've, I've got the scripture if you want me to read it. Yeah, why don't you go ahead, because I, I have to, fl- I was on Exodus 3. You know, so. a, a preacher should have their Bible on hand. I, 
I'm looking at my Bible right now. I just can't flip through it. <laughs> All right, so Exodus chapter 15, uh, verse 26. Um, this is it, the, the verse begins saying, "If you will diligently listen to the voice of your Lord your God and do which is that which is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer." Yeah. Context: Exodus 15, right after they've crossed the Red Sea, right after the miraculous rescue. Um, from the, the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of Pharaoh, uh, God has, he has rescued them. And he says, now I'm going to heal you, right? And this healing is a healing that is found in trusting him, following him, living according to his ways. You know, this last weekend we talked about how Christ is the wisdom we all need. And uh, I'm amazed that when we follow Christ, when we walk in his ways, there is a real sense of healing. Like he cares for us. And I'm equally amazed is when we don't walk in Christ, when we're walking in our selfishness and our sinfulness, when we're not walking in obedience, it's the opposite of healing. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a wound. It's like a cancer. It's like, it's painful. And, and so God in his self-revelation, as he says, I, I am the God who heals, he, he ties it actually to relationally following him, to obedience of, of his commandments, walking with him in love. That's... That's this picture of I, I am the God who heals, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're, we're tracking, then what we see is this is again God showing us His goodness, and His names reveal that, right? Yeah. He, he is the healer. He's the Lord, our healer, and and we find that healing when we run to Him, when we're connected to Him, when we're trusting Him, and when we're following Him. And again, God's a good God. And he wants to care for us. And so that's, uh, that's the Lord, your healer. You know, what's interesting about that, when you talk about the Lord, our healer, I, I, from what you just said, Exodus 15, the context is that they just, they've just left Egypt, right? So they have just left, in many ways, you could argue, abuse. Uh, you, they, just, they, they just walked away from some slavery, of the most, yeah. Slavery, like the most traumatic things in their lives. I don't think you really have to argue this. That's, yeah, that's I, you're right. Fact. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I just didn't want to be overreaching, I guess, with this statement. But in many ways, I, when, when I was younger, when I thought about God as my healer, I always thought about like physical things. I was like, oh, I broke my leg. God's going to heal that. But even in many ways, what we're seeing here is that God, is, he's not going to just heal like the, the physical brokenness, but like all the frustration, all the years of pain, all the, the whatever came with slavery, God is setting them free with that. I just feel like that is a powerful message for a, a world right now that's really big on like claiming their traumas and staying in oh, those man. things. You, you can double down on that because it's not just their their oppression. Yeah. It's their idolatry. Like they were being schooled in false pagan worship. Mm-hmm. They were falling in love with the Egyptian gods. This is part of the healing process as they, they're, they're escaping and as they begin to walk in the wilderness... God is, he is trying to woo them away from their love, from their pagan gods, even then, you know, in the wilderness, they, you know, Moses goes up the mountain. What do they do? They build a calf. They said, this is the Lord, our God. And no, it's not. Yeah. It's a, an idol. Mm-hmm. And they're trained in this unhealthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. spiritually speaking. Yeah. And God's trying to heal them of that. Because when you worship an idol, the idol doesn't care for you. It doesn't. It, it doesn't love you. It doesn't want good for you. It's the demonic force behind yeah. that, according to the, the scripture is 
it wants to terrorize you. It wants yeah. to destroy you. It wants you to have a shallow, painful life. And that's what people need to grab a hold of right now because we live in a world where we love to say, like, this is oppressive, this is traumatic. And those things are. They probably are really traumatic and things. But what we point to as the answer to those things, usually in pop culture right now, it's we're pointing to your to your warrior within your heart or to the things inside of you. But you know what? Your flesh is just as broken as the flesh that was oppressing you or, or anything else that was happening. So in this instance, God is revealing himself to be the healer. It's not, you know, young adolescent Andrew was thinking, oh, God is going to heal me of chicken pox. Well, also, God is healing you of trauma. God is healing you of, of the things that have happened in your mind. The gospel sets us free to love and to hope once again if we submit and repent to his leading and his ways. Because that whole process, what you just that, that context is they have to unlearn the Egyptian ways and then pick up the ways of God himself as he's revealing himself in that. I want to even go further with that because I think about Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you, right? The same level that God has forgiven us, we are to forgive. You think about Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. And he, he says, forgive us of our debts as we forgive others. And then he explains it. And he says, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. In the world we live in right now, Andrew, you, you mentioned this victimized, oppressed world. Like, oh, I'm a victim. Someone's done something bad to me. And so I'm going to sit there in that. And oftentimes what that means is I'm going to, I'm going to cling to my bitterness and my resentment and my, my, what I can now define as my own self-righteousness and my hatred toward that person, mm-hmm. that is actually, that's the opposite of finding healing. Yeah. That is a poison to the soul. The gospel has not come and be saved so that you can hate others or that you can be bitter toward others or you can be unforgiving toward others. The gospel has come, be forgiven and then forgive. Yeah. It, it is antithetical to say, I am forgiven, but I will not forgive this person or this group of people or whatever it is. And, and whoever's listening to this right now, I hope you're hearing, like, I hope if you're challenged by that notion that you're not hearing us say like, oh, you need to just knock it off and grow up. I think what you should be catching really is if you are, if you could call yourself a Christian and you're still sitting on bitterness and resentment, I want you to know that there's an opportunity for healing. That's what we're getting at here. Because if you are someone who claims Christ, if you are someone who claims the great I am as your God, and that God has revealed himself to be a healer, there is hope for you in that healing. And if you haven't experienced that, if that hasn't happened in your life, that means there's, not, there's an invitation to know God in a deeper way. So this isn't a, hey, quit complaining and just buck up. It's like, listen, there's something deeper here to know, but it takes that repentant heart to move forward. And it's a process. And it so is. Say if, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't know if I could ever get there, I'd say, well, reach out to one of us. Let's get together. Let's start talking about it. Let's start praying about it. Mm-hmm. it it's a process. It does not happen overnight. I mean, sometimes it does, but mm-hmm. re- usually it just, it's a process and it's a battle and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I get so excited when I, when I think about what God is doing and how he heals like that. I just... It makes me so excited, I guess, to be able to call myself a follower of God, as if I were to have like a flag to wave and let the world know that you know he's he's my he's my banner. Is that a good segue into the next? Uh, that's <laughs> a segue. I think. Did you have something else you wanted to share? A moment passed. Oh, I'm sorry. A moment yeah. passed. Wow, Andrew, 
Wow. I just, yeah, it's all about me, guys. So I think Steven needs to forgive you. <laughs> yep. Uh, so are we, you, we, Lord is my banner. Yep. Okay. Exodus seventeen fifteen. I got there because my Bible is open. Yeah. Okay. Exodus seventeen fifteen. It says, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it. The Lord is my banner. To 16 as well. Or? No, that's good. That's, okay. that's an interesting term, huh? Yeah. What do you guys think of when you think of this idea? I, uh, in my brain, I was thinking of like, like, there's an army that's marching and there's a banner, there's an identifier and it says we are under this, this thing. That's what I was thinking. See, I had a similar notion, but it was like the high school football games where they have the banner and like you try to run through the banner. Oh, as, okay. As you're going onto the field like, yeah, this is who we are. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. It's the standard, right? It's the, the identifying marker. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about uh, an army going into war and they have their banner and, and where do they rally to if they need help? They, they ran out, they rally mm-hmm. to that banner. That's where they run for refuge. That's, that's what kind of symbolizes uh, who they are. And so when they say, the Lord is my banner, when, when we realize this is part of who God is as the ever-present one, this is what we understand. God, God is, he is where we find our identity you with me? You tracking? Yeah. You look gla- so, glazed over eyes. No, you just said something. Do you need another raise? <laughs> no, I'm 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 good, man. I'm, because I've been if drinking. If anything, raise. we're more contemplative than we normally yeah. are. <laughs> no, because I've been drinking raise. I'm I'm deep in thought. Please sponsor us, raise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you you said that you said about like the armies and like you, what I heard was rally point in many ways because it's not just marching into battle and it's, it's this, but it's also like if 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 all heck breaks loose on the battlefield, you look for the banner to you look for to, your banner to regroup there and, and how much that speaks to yeah go, go ahead Steve. i was gonna say like i've i've read stories again me love writing yeah um on the battlefield it's when your banner has fallen that you have lost hope it's oh, wow. it's because that's usually where your leader is that's where your king is and if the banner of the king has fallen then your cause is over essentially mm-hmm. and so when i'm putting this into practical application if the lord is my banner and he is strong and he is eternal and he is my healer and my provider then i have a cause that is strong i have a hope that is eternal right mm-hmm. yeah and so that's that's the same direction my brain was going okay if i'm on the battlefield i can look and i can see my banner and my banner is is brilliant it is vibrant it is strong the battle might be crazy but the cause is sure yeah okay so i was thinking about a variation of that if if you permit me the time for this but uh some some of you guys know, know i've been i've been nerding out and playing a lot of a uh, halo infinite because that just came out but so sometimes in the middle of a fight you have a plan going into it and then all of a sudden it doesn't work that way at all and then over the headset the whole team's like hey let's let's instead of losing this battle let's regroup let's regroup let's regroup and someone throws out a marker and saying let's go meet up over there right and then you regroup and then you coordinate and you move forward from there i honestly when when mike was talking about that earlier i was thinking about in life i don't know how many times this has happened to to you but i know for me like you live your life all of a sudden like a bomb goes off in your life not literal bomb but like a bomb and you're just like, I don't know what, which way is up right now. And I need to regroup. I need to find like, where are my people? Where are my supplies? Where is it? And Christ is who I rally up with. Right. right? It's just like, it's, it's like if you get dropped in water and you, you start to like, which way is up? Christ is my up. And that's, 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 that's what I was thinking about when you were like, Andrew, you're spacing off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And again, you go to the context here. You got yeah. Moses, um, the Israelites, mm-hmm. they're being attacked by Amalek, right? And so he holds up his staff. And when he's holding up his staff, guess what? Israel wins. And when his arms start to lower, Israel begins to lose and Amalek begins to prevail against him. Yeah. Right. And so in that, that's where you get the, the, this phrase, the Lord is our banner. And it really is the recognition, like our dependence for victory. It's the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's looking to him. It's, it's not, I mean, same warriors. Uh, what, what the difference is, is, is when God's being recognized as the one that we look to, that's what's determining the victory. And I think that's the key because I spiritualized it earlier, but rec- recognizing that's it. God, recognizing God is, is what's important there. Yep. So, well, how about the next one? Is that Yahweh Makadesh Kem? Yeah, there you go. Okay. All right. I can read Hebrew. <laughs> that's been English, turned into English. Englishized. <laughs> Transliterations. Yeah. 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 That is, uh, God is the Lord as in he who sanctifies. That's right. Okay. Okay. When do you guys want to read the text there? Exodus thirty-one thirteen. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Yeah. So God's saying, I, I'm sanctifying you. And one of the marker, the marker for Israel was taking the Sabbath and keeping it holy, making it different, making it unique. Not that other days were not days of worship, but this was a unique day set apart, um, intentionally focused in a, in a different way on mm-hmm. on giving honor and worship to the Lord. Yeah. I actually uh, read about this in my New Testament class. Uh, the Greek culture at the time of the New Testament did not take days off. Like every single day was a work day, but that's why they had festivals that would last like two or three days because that was the only time people braked to do any like recreation or take a day off. And then you look over and you have the the Jewish people and they take a day off every single week. And they have these feasts that sometimes last for days. And it was just a marker that distinguished them from the rest of the cultures around them. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Thanks for saying, sharing where we get the idea of weekends. Yeah, actually, isn't it right? Because like uh, the Sabbath day for us is the beginning of the week. We give that to the Lord and Saturday is our day off if we follow the Gregorian calendar. So for all y'all that enjoy having a weekend, you're welcome. <laughs> so, Mike, you seem to be looking something up. Are you about to share something? Yeah, this reminds me of our series on First Thessalonians just a number of weeks ago when we were ending it. And one of the last uh, texts that we covered was how the Lord sanctifies us and he's the one that will faithfully do it. And so I just turned to First Thessalonians 5, Uh, Verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And so there's just this New Testament overlay, right? This, This connection point that God is sanctifying a people for himself in the Old Testament. And he's doing that. It's supposed to be Israel. Well, they end up rebelling. Instead of being a nation of priests, they become a nation with priests. And then they become a nation who is turned away completely. And Mm -hmm. then not a nation. Well, they are now. But that was the Old Testament kind of trajectory. Well, now now God has made a holy nation, a a royal priesthood who is those who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And guess what he's doing with us? He's sanctifying us, right? And so yeah. this is the same work. He wants a people who are holy. That's what sanctifying is, to be made holy, to be made pure for his purpose, 
right? And that's, yeah. that's what he's doing. So this is part of his character, his title, his name. He is the one who is sanctifying us. So he is the one who, who sets us apart and makes us holy for his purposes and for his glory. Mm-hmm. All right. Fascinating. Um, so are, are we ready to move on to maybe the next, the next one here? I think we have two left. Let's go ahead and do those. Okay. So we have uh, Yahweh Shalom, which is the Lord is peace. Mm-hmm. Right. And then your text for this one is a Judges six twenty four. It says, "Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace." To the day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the I don't know how to pronounce that Abizrites. There you go. Ooh. <clears throat> you know the trick is just to say it. Just say just it. Just say it quickly and move on. And you know that's there all you are do. a lot of people in my life group that I will read a name like that and I will just say it confidently. And sometimes they're like, "Oh, I thought it was." pronounced a different way and I, I don't say anything but I do know that they think well Andrew said it so I guess that's how it is so you know what's funny is I do the same thing in youth group that's funny <laughs> who's gonna argue with it <laughs> a lot of time people go, well, I mean you're the professional so whatever right <laughs> so Yahweh Shalom the Lord is peace okay Shalom has this idea of wholeness, right? It's not like peace, like uh, I'm without enemy or I'm no, no war. Yes, that's part of it. But it really the idea is, is there is a peace in my life and that peace is it's found in the Lord. New Testament connection point then would be like Philippians 4. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but, but pray, right? And it says, and what is it, the term? And the God of, and the peace of God will guard your, the peace of, uh, now I'm, I think it's a piece I'm that messing. Passes. Yeah. yeah, you know a pastor it transcends can put his Bible on him. <laughs> I do. It has come it full circle. <laughs> Usually, it just comes right away, though. Right. Yeah. Uh, I blame it on COVID. Uh, that's safe. That's fine. <laughs> but actually, one of the things that uh, was coming to my mind. Um, we're talking about peace, and you were saying that I can have peace because of God, but this is to be distinguished from what the culture calls peace. I I was just scrolling through social media the other day and one of those advertisements came up and it said, find your inner peace. And it was like an advertisement for some product or another, but it's got this idea that is so rooted in our culture that you find your own definition of peace that comes from within and you know, your inner peace. Right. But this is saying God is peace and not just he is a source of peace but he is peace it's an internal tranquility because the lord is internally working in you regardless of the externals so here's the text be anxious or do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus that's this truth, right? Like mm-hmm. God is the God of peace. And so the peace of God, it actually has this transcendent work in our, in our hearts and minds. To, to tr- transcend or surpass understanding means we can't fully explain it, but it works. Mm-hmm. He makes it work in our life in an in incredible way. And the last term then is the Lord is our righteousness. And so this comes out of Jeremiah uh, 23, verse 6. Stephen, you want to go ahead and read that also? In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And so again, righteousness, what is, what is righteousness? How would you, how would you define that? 
To be right with a standard, like to be whole? Yeah. It's right living. To be right before God. Righteousness really is to be right before God. Um, I I think a great New Testament passage here would be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So if the Lord is our righteousness, the question is, how do we find that righteousness? How do we get that righteousness? And the way we receive that righteousness is ultimately through the gospel. Mm -hmm. Jesus was perfectly right with God, never a blemish spot or no sin at all. And then this great trade, Jesus gives us his righteousness. He takes our sin on the cross and through his death and resurrection, now we have the righteousness of God. And so when we say the Lord is our righteousness, all the way back in the Old Testament, we're recognizing it's not on our own selves that we make ourselves right with God. We've all messed up. There's no way. I mean, this passage is from Jeremiah, which is uh, Israel has not, not done good. They, they have rebelled greatly. Correct. And yet they have a righteousness in God. Right. And, it, and it's consistent throughout the Bible. So we see the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's never about our righteousness, but it's God's that's been attributed to us. It's consistent. So, Mike, I, we've gone through a lot of the attributes of God and how what he wants us to know about him. I guess if, um, how would you want, as, as a pastor, if, like, if there was a new believer listening to all these attributes, is there a specific takeaway, I guess, that you would want from how God reveals himself by these names that you would want them to just to reflect on, to know? I think what this shows us is we find what we need in God, whether it's peace or righteousness, whether it's provision, right, or being sanctified. Over and over again, God's showing us as he reveals his names, he's saying, what you really need is me. What you're looking for is me. What you desperately want, it's me. And so that's what I would say, whether you're a brand new Christian or you're experienced in the faith and you're a veteran and following Christ, like, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for decades or, or just a few days. What you need you find in God. Yeah. He, he, is the, he, is the, he is the God. He is God Almighty. He's the one who was, who is, and who always will be. And so he is the one you look to in all of your need. Amen. All right. Well, guys, thank you for, for coming together and, and talking through this. I think next week we're going to start looking at a different name of God altogether, another characteristic. We're going to be looking at uh, Elohim, right? But um, Stephen, as we bring this to a close, would you would you pray for our listeners as they, I guess, just know that God is everything they need? Let's yeah. pray, guys. Lord Almighty, we thank you just that you have revealed yourself through your word to us and that we, in our times of need, in our times of distress, in our times of uncertainty, but also even in our times when our walk is sure, when our steps are certain, you are You are there, you are with us, you are providing for us, you are sheltering us, and you are everything we could ever need or want. Lord, I pray that as each of us goes through our day-to-day life, that you would continue to focus our eyes upon you, upon what you have done in this world, and continue to reveal yourself and your nature to us so that we can continually grow in the knowledge of you and your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Ancient Ways for Modern Days, a ministry of Valley Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to check out more resources or even connect with us, 
go to vcflongview.org.